Hi, folks. This podcast is recorded in a house with animals, uh, most of whom are asleep, except for, you know, the chickens who are awake because it's light out. And so that may be the only noise. Or the kittens might wake up and there may be screaming. We don't know yet. That would be me screaming. But yeah. Also, we swear a lot. We understand that it is a personal failing or not, depending on your point of view. And so we have to mark this as explicit. It's a thing. That's really about it. So welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 163. Uh, I am recording this a week in advance because it is our summer break. And so we have part two of our two-parter with Dino and cooking during a pandemic or planning and cooking during a pandemic. You know how it goes with us. So I will have that for you in just a minute. Just a reminder, um, we do have an open question that you should uh, answer, I guess, or email in about, uh, and that is how to get organized when suddenly you have two children at home who are distance learning for the first time ever. Not two, I'm sorry, three, three children. So, you know, uh, i Love to hear about it, um, and also mad respect to all the teachers who have also had to figure this out and who have like doing this on a day. We're going to cover that all next week before our interview. Next week, we have a really good discussion with Selfie, who is in Australia and also raises, raises chickens. I've got a whole bunch of other good stuff sort of planned for uh, the upcoming months, and I'm really excited to be sharing that with you. In the meantime, though, let's get on with it. So uh, after this little break, uh, we'll have more Dino. So I did that transition completely wrong. How about we'll be back with Dino right after this. Yeah, so so here's a picture Ursula posted of me and the Houdan. I don't know if you can see it that well. Any? Yeah. Oh my uh, god, that's adorable. Yeah, he's <laughs> uh, he's he's the, there's that. Everything everything devolves to um, chicken photos for me lately. And then here's here's the the there's Ninja. Oh, pretty. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, he's the son of of Dotson, my former oh, okay. rooster, and. Um, uh, and, uh, the, um, uh, uh, and, uh, a, a, um, Sumatra hen that Shepard had up in Virginia. And so, uh, uh, so he is a very special bloodline. We're, we're hoping to breed more like him and then start crossbreeding him, uh, because he seems to be a very hardy, independent chicken. She's still mad at me because he moved okay. into the coop and out of the trees. So, um, <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Um, hold on. I do have to tell a friend because I think he just, uh, um, uh, yeah, he, he, they had a sick hen this morning and he's like, we just lost the hen. And I'm like, yeah, I, I gotta be like, yeah, um, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, um, 
They don't make it very long, do they? Um. Uh. Yeah, no. I mean, your average uh, chicken in like a um, in like a chicken farm. I mean, if they're being raised for meat, they're maybe six to eight months old. Okay. I mean, they're they're really quick. If they're laying breeds, typically, um, and I mean, they're not in the best conditions or whatever. Um, they're three to five years. Um, Oh, okay. For a chicken like mine where they can free range, um, uh, like strong independent could go 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Lorge probably isn't going to go past four or five just because he's a, I mean, he's a big boy and, um, he's, he's having enough trouble. I mean, he's got legs like tree trunks. I mean, the chicken equivalent of tree trunks. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and then, um, uh, 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 so, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see. Um, uh, this is their, their, this is their first, their first set of hens. Um, Got it. So they're still kind of uh they're they're still kind of adjusting to the idea. Like I know I've I've already lost six six hens to predators over the okay. last two years. Um and that's why we've got the fencing. And the roosters make a big difference. They really do. Right. Um to say, hey, there's something here that will fight your ass if you try to come right. after these. Um but uh you know what is it you're like the coyotes or the or the raccoons foxes raccoons uh we're starting to get coyotes um okay. so it's i mean it's a thing that happens right okay. um and anyone who's got a farm or livestock um uh it's something to be aware of. if you're gonna lose the animals it's never sure. easy um god the the we had a lamb that was born and uh, maybe la- 24 hours. Um, one of Shepard's lambs. Yeah, no. And we did, uh, Shepard did everything she could. And I did everything, you know, I mean, they're like, we have to go get the special baby lamb formula. So I sat through a meeting with this hours old lamb, like just holding yeah. it up against me where it was warm and, you know, hey. And it happens, and it's never easy when when it happens, whether it's through a predator or natural causes or, sure. uh, you know, um, you know, one of her goats passed, uh, and mm. it had been with her for a very long time. Um, gruesome bit now. Here's your warning. Um, and, you know, she wanted to keep his skull. Okay. So I had to you know, take him apart and, and skin it and set it up for the bugs so that he, it would get properly cleaned because mm-hmm. you, you, oh my God, boiling and trying to clean those is a nightmare. If you can get bugs to do it, do it. Um, yeah. And, I, and let them at least get some benefit out of that. Yeah. That yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, but I mean, yeah, there's, there's, it, it can be a little harsh and it can be a little gruesome. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta adapt to it. Um, and believe me, there is no cruelty involved with what we're doing. Um, right. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's so vicious. But it's like, no, this is this is kind of nature. Right? right. I mean, yeah, a lot of times when we're uh, raising what are now domestic animals, they're like, oh, you should just let them run free. And we're like, no, you don't understand. Ooh. Ooh. You don't understand. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's a reason why there's a boa constrictor fucking problem or Python problem in fucking Florida now. Yeah. Cause idiots keep releasing them. Yeah. 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 I mean, these aren't there. Those are invasive animals who aren't meant right. to be in that particular thing. But then again, now, and, and they maybe don't have natural predators, uh, but like, well, okay. The gators are having a field fucking day with it. Oh, really? Um, did you know there is a there's some shots out there where apparently a very large boa constrictor tried to eat a gator. Oh no, you don't want to do that. Um nobody won. There was no winner in that. It 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 was a tie at the end because what they found was a uh a, a dead snake with a gator about halfway down. <laughs> and that gator was not in the mood, was he? Um, the gator had not survived either, but uh, like it's, it was one of those, like, <clears throat> you know, he ain't gonna go down without a fight. No, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh. you know, uh, uh, um, Godzilla versus Kong, man, there ain't no winners there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, is that later this year? Or is that next year? Is Godzilla versus man the new MonsterVerse movies? Uh, if you want some big dumb fun. Uh-huh. Um, Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters are just all that. Um, and then, um, plus King of the Monsters has, uh, Millie Bobby Brown in it from Stranger Things. I've never seen that. Oh my God. Stranger Things is so good. Um, Horror? um, sort of, uh, it's 80 sci-fi horror, heavy D and D element. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely brilliant, but it's got Winona Ryder in it. Um, she's, and she's amazing in it. And, um, and then this, this new actress who started at like at 11, Millie Bobby Brown, and she is so fucking talented. Um, and she's like 15 or 16 now. And, you know, like the headliner, like she was one of the best part, like one of the best human parts of King of the Monsters other than Ken Watanabe. Um, and I mean, uh, uh, spoiler alert, if, uh, this is the only monster movie I have ever like teared up for. And it's because okay. of Ken fucking Watanabe. Like, okay. yeah. I mean, that's how fucking good he is. Well, in everything. I mean, you know, Gosh. but you know, I mean, from the, let them fight in the first movie to, to dude, just, yeah, no, um, big dumb I did get in Star Trek. What's that? I did get into Star Trek. Oh, yeah, no. Um, Picard, or did you just start at the beginning? Yep. Oh, no, 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 I'm not watching Picard. Ugh. Way too violent. Way too violent. Uh, thing. Um, yeah. I started watching Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like uh, Data. Mm-hmm. I really like Wesley Crusher. Uh, yeah. I really like Loxana <laughs> Troy. Yeah. yeah. She's one of my favorites. Um find out that she's Gene Roddenberry's wife. I was like, that's fucking cool as hell. Uh, no, that was her mom. Oh, that was the mom. That was the mom. That's, um, yeah. Uh, Majel, uh, Roddenberry is the, is plays Troy's mom. Um, yeah. 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 yeah okay. Cause you said, Oh, Luxana Troy, right? Not, yeah. not, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. I like yeah. Deanna too, but I, mm-hmm. I find that Luxana is a more layered character for me. Um, <laughs> she comes off as like ditzy and whatever, mm-hmm. but she has like, depth to her oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. um how far in are I you now huh? how far in are you now 
So I finished uh, Next Generation. Um, okay. How I tend to engage with TV shows is that I don't like to watch in order. I just jump around at the yeah, yeah, yeah. Seem to me. Um, and then I'll go backfill if I feel the need to. Mm-hmm. But I'll skip anything that I would find um, upsetting or whatever. So, like, I haven't watched any of the Borg episodes oh. um, unless you count Hugh. Right. Love. Mm-hmm. Um, love him very much so. Yeah. Um, He's in Picard. Did not watch the one where it was that two part series where uh, Picard got taken over. I was like, ah, uh-uh, yes. Hard, yeah. hard pass. Um, I made the mistake of watching the pilot. <laughs> okay. there's That's a little bit of a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thankfully, by that point, I had already seen enough of the show that I didn't write off the show completely. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, that was the first um, Q episode I saw. Yeah. I hate Q. I will not watch any episode of <laughs> I all of them. So all the Borg episodes I skipped, all the Q episodes I've skipped. Um, I think there was one where there was like a like a younger Q or something like that, mm-hmm. and she had to come into her powers. That one I did watch, um, yeah, because he was less obnoxious in that one. Did you um, did you at least watch the one where they made him human and took away his powers? I I. I just I hate his character, so I was just like hard pass on all of them. Uh, no, there's there's a lot of Q getting his comeuppance in that one. I might go back and watch it. <laughs> um, then I went on to Voyager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how I got into Next Generation is that my boyfriend knows my taste very well. Okay, so he curated sort of like a bunch of episodes that he knew would hook me in really, mm-hmm. really hard. Um, and he didn't give me any background about like the fandom as a whole. Okay. Because I found, came to find out much later that everybody hates Wesley and, uh, walks on Troy. So <laughs> I, I actually, in hindsight, uh, I, I appreciate Wesley a lot more now. Yeah. Um, the other thing I appreciate is, um, Will Wheaton. Yes. Yeah, he's um, great. Yeah. Um, did you see his post? I, I don't know if you would have seen it a couple days ago, where they talk about for um, uh, uh, her birthday, uh, Marina Sirtis's birthday, they would all get together. Mm-hmm. But they can't do that like now. A call or something? Yeah, they did a group call. And so there's like uh, everybody, um, all the right. core cast members, like right there. Um and also, of course, LeVar Burton, who's doing LeVar Burton Reads right now. Um, he did – I don't know if you, you were aware of this. He read Jackalope Wives on it. Wow. And did an amazing job with it. Um, and uh, because of you know our, our sci-fi connections now, um, uh, we have several friends who, who have been featured as the story of the, the whatever. Wow. Um, uh, the reading of Rebecca Roanhorse's um, Welcome to Your Authentic um, Indian Experience uh, is just breathtaking. Um, I mean, uh, really, whoever's helping him curate um, mm-hmm. is just amazing. And Ursula was like, we couldn't announce it until the episode went live, sure. <laughs> but we were just she was just like, Oh my God, LeVar Burton wants to read my story. Exactly. Um, that must've been such a trip. It, it, uh, not as much as a trip as, as listening to it and mm-hmm. how he presented it. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, there's, there's a good one for spending, uh, podcast time on 
If you need something yeah. to listen to, um, LeVar Burton Reads is pulling some of the best fiction um, and sci-fi fantasy for sure uh, mm-hmm. that, that is out these days. Uh, and it's all usually newer stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Often it's, you know, been uh, possibly nominated for a Hugo or a Nebula or something like that. Um, re- and then the, the dramatization that goes with it, um, mm-hmm. he's such – an amazing voice actor that right. uh, brings so much to it. Um, absolutely amazing. Something I, I absolutely spend hours on um, given the opportunity. Can't do it while I'm working. Sure. To, to, no, because you focus too much on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can listen to some other podcasts while I'm working, but that one I just want to stop and listen. Right, you know? right. Even if it's something I've read before, I want to hear uh, LeVar Burton's take on it. His version of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so Will Wheaton was on that call as well? Uh, Will Wheaton was the one who posted the screenshot. Oh, wow. Okay. LeVar Burton, Will Wheaton, uh, Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, oh, wow. Gates McFadden. Um, uh, now, why can't I remember his name? The, the plays Data, um, played the worm farmer on Night Court, um, played a pimp on Hill Street Blues, and I can't remember his name <laughs> to save my life. Possibly the only person on that show who had as much talent as Patrick Stewart. Okay. Um, yeah, the guy who plays who plays Data and why can't I remember his fucking name right now? Um, but again, ama- he he's amazing in Picard. Yes, it does feel too violent early. I mean, it's they're like we're 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 a streaming show and we don't have to worry about censors, mm-hmm. but. Um, much like a couple of, you know, some video games and some other series, when you hit the half, you're like, this is moving really kind of slow, except for the, you know, the fight scenes or whatever. Um, and then it just turns and Brent Spiner, Brent Spiner. Yes. Yes. Brent Spiner. Absolutely amazing. His role, the were as the worm farmer on night court. Oh my God. Um, but, uh, and, and he's, he's reprising his role as data in Picard. Um, I did watch one episode, which mm-hmm. was the one um, where Captain Picard goes back uh, to visit Riker and Troy. That's like right smack in the middle. Yes. And that was a touch violent for my liking. So like really anything past that would be way too intense. Um, uh, Kevin, you muted. Yeah, I know. I fixed it. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, so and and I didn't care for the storytelling style. Um, I fell in love with Star Trek mm-hmm. because it's like sort of like a, like a really hopeful story yeah. arc mm-hmm. overall. Um, and they tend to be episodic where I can jump in wherever I feel like I can jump yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can still figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't like those ones that are very serialized and I have to follow from beginning to end. Okay. And I don't like fast cuts. Yeah, and this um, this one, uh, Picard, uh, absolutely amazing, but it is a, you have to watch the whole thing. Just picking up in the middle is not something that does. And Ursula really wants to watch it. We we watched the first couple episodes together. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's like, I want to be able to just sit down and binge it all. Right. Um, just, just, Blind through. just, yeah. Um, which is kind of how I ended up doing it, because mm-hmm. like TV shows like that are something I can put on. 
in the background mm-hmm. uh, when I'm, especially when I'm on call. Uh, right. Because on call is a lot of repetitive work. Okay, yes, I have an alert for X. Let's go fix X. While that's right. going on, you know, mm-hmm. I, normally it's horror movies because horror movies are just loud and colorful and okay. they would be way too violent for you. But I don't have to spend too much brain on them. Right. Right. One time I, I made the mistake of saying, oh, okay, I, I, I'll just throw on Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, mm-hmm. And fortunately, it was towards the end of my shift because – um, 30 minutes in, I'm like, fuck, I need to pause this until I'm done working. Cause otherwise I'm not going to get anything else done. Um, I had the same problem with, uh, reservoir dogs and, um, I will remember the name of it. Um, reservoir dogs again, amazing movie, too violent for you. Anything Quentin Tarantino is going to be too violent. for Yeah, you. of course. There's no way. Yeah. I'm not um, Fargo was not that way, but Fargo, very dialogue-driven. Anything Kevin Smith that's very dialogue-driven. Yes. Um, like, dialogue-driven works. It's either have to be heavy dialogue or just, like, noise and splash. Uh, right. <laughs> but what was – oh, The Usual Suspects. Okay. Yeah, it's like – I'm like, ah, eh, yeah, okay, great. It's on Amazon Prime right now. I don't have to pay for it. Click. And then about half an hour in, I'm like, okay, I got to stop. <laughs> stop put on some music or something till i'm done working because otherwise i'm not gonna get shit done this is too good right right no i know how. yeah um yeah. there's certain movies i can throw on in the background and just have it as um like i'm cleaning or something like that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i know the storyline i've watched this thing like a million and a half times like one of those is like my big fat Creek wedding <laughs> i've seen it so many times by now that it's just like it's 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 like a comforting little blanket um i can do that with any of the stand-ups by margaret cho oh yeah yeah um and anything she does is amazing and again i've seen it like seven billion times so it's like i know the next joke that's coming and it's fine um (laughs) most of the pixar movies i can do that with with the exception of up Um, everyone has that problem with up ratatouille Mm. and uh incredibles those three i can't have on as background because i get sucked in i've never seen incredibles um i'm still mad that they made me cry twice in up (laughs) and um and it wasn't like a mild cry it was ugly cry uh, yeah yeah Yeah. both times yeah spoiler alert because towards the end when he finds that book and then he sees the end of it and like there's empty pages and uh, i lost it because um Oh Jesus! I lost it. I, I, I'm bawling on the floor, just like ugly, like sobbing. Um, that one didn't cut me as much. It was Doug. Yeah, it was Doug, of course. It was Doug. You know, because you are my master. I'm, I, I'm, I'm misting up now, just thinking about the fucking thing. <laughs> and then he's like, well, right? "You're my dog, aren't you?" And then it's just, and then you just get like all fucked up, and it's like, oh yeah. my god. Doug, Doug finally found someone who loves him too. And it's, Oh my God, I couldn't. Um, <laughs> so Incredibles is really good. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I keep hearing really good things about it. I feel like you like action. Um, yeah, I don't. Oh, um, okay. Not my cup of tea. Um, car chase scenes bore me. Ship chase scenes bore me. I fast forward through fight scenes. I just, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Who wins? All right, cool. Next. Um, that's why like with Picard, I had such a hard time mm-hmm. with, um, the show itself because first off it's dark uh, like the federation is terrible um where we have those ravening hordes of assholes who are like 
cutting down people left and right. Um, then you've got these three assholes in this ship that's trying to do one thing. And then you've got Picard on his ship trying to do one thing else. And then they're quickly cutting between like all mm-hmm. these different storylines very, very rapidly. And I, I don't care for it. I, I, just, I just find it too jarring. Whereas yeah. with Voyager, with Next Generation, mm-hmm. you can turn it on. Mm-hmm. The group stays together almost the entire time. Yeah. Sometimes there's an away team that goes to the surface of the planet, but by and large, everybody's together. So like yeah. you get this satisfying bit where even though not everyone's getting full airtime, you, you you have this comfort in knowing they're still together. Like even if right. they're facing some bullshit, they're still all together. Mm-hmm. Um, Voyager, I loved... Um, uh, what's his, what's her name? Uh, Seven of Nine. Yes, she's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, 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 love Echeb. He's oh my god, he has my heart. Um, I, love I, the Doctor. Uh, I only ever watched like the first season, I think, of of Voyager. I I understand that it 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 was right around. It came out right around the time where my kids were starting to happen. Okay, and so. There's like this time period, yeah. Um, where like there are movies I didn't see, there are TV shows sure. I didn't see. Um, I watched a lot of fucking Blues Clues and Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, <laughs> but like, um, there are things that you know I just have to catch up on now. Or and and like Voyager isn't one that I've. I felt the need to really go back to um, do it because mm-hmm. it goes from, it, it starts off a little on the bleak side right. um, as Star Trek goes, which is why I'm having a very hard time getting into deep space nine, because that's a fucking depressing story and it's all about yeah. war. And I, that ship bores me to tears. I want nothing to do with it, especially with, let's be honest from the time I've been in this country, um, uh, in the late eighties mm-hmm. until now the U S has been in one war or another the entire time. Yeah. Um, so watching it on my TV screen is a little too on the nose for my liking, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it honestly, I like for my TV to be an escape. I don't want to yeah. park myself in something where it's a bleak reminder of how fucked up everything is. So mm-hmm. like deep space nine is, I've had a very hard time with it because it is heavily serialized. So there's like a yeah. lot of um, story arcs that last like seven, eight, nine episodes. Like um, to even get to the finale, I think it's like a seven or eight uh, episode long, just chunk that you have to get through in order. Um, and and it doesn't even start in the last season. You have to go back right. two or three seasons to get all yep. the pieces um, to it. Yeah. So I had a very hard time with D Space Nine. Voyager, I was... It's it, again. I can I can watch the show the way I tend to engage mm-hmm. with TV, which is I can jump around, um, look at the episodes that interest me, um, get stuck into that story, and then at the end of that hour, there they've wrapped everything up in a neat little package. Everybody's back on the ship, yep. and we keep going. Uh, um, yeah, the original that's series. All I want. Yeah, you mm-hmm. could do that with the original series. I I I need to go back and watch the original series because I've been told that like. It's really campy. <laughs> oh, it is so campy, but there's at least one episode with young shirtless George Takai. Okay. <laughs> You're like, okay, that, that clicks a lot of buttons for me. It's just... the buttons that I need to click. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
<laughs> uh, yeah, there there are a lot of older series that are like that, that are very episodic, drop in. You don't have to follow the bigger storylines. Um, uh, and and I, I find cartoons good for that, too. Yes. Um, yes. Because, like... Um, unless it's it, unless it's a special thing, like all right, let's show my age a little bit. Um, mm. Teenager um, GI Joe, right? Right. Most of the episodes, it's drop in, same cast, same whatever. Um, there's like a five day arc that sets the season or something like that, where it's where they build one on the other. But then the rest of the time, it's all same thing. Trans Transformers, right. same way. Yeah. Right. Teenage Journal, same way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I was reading the comic before the the TV series came out uh, uh, or the movies. So yeah, and the comic is much darker than the cartoon. Um, I, yeah, The Tick. I love yeah. The Tick. Um, yeah. In all its incarnations. Now, the newest Tick on Amazon. Yeah. You do have to watch that in order to kind of keep up with what's going on. But it's such a madcap silly thing yeah. that it's 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 a lot easier to do. The all five episodes of the Patrick Warburton version of the tick, love, mm-hmm. love. Um the cartoon, love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Um, all the way back to the original comic books, which I read in the eighties when they were coming out. Oh wow. Yeah. Um Did you watch Batman the Animated Series? I have watched Batman the Animated Series multiple times. Um, I love that one. Even though it's a little bit dark, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like they do a good job of speeding past the fight scenes and speeding past the bullshit that I don't care for. Yeah. And like they have really meaty stories, like to be honest. Like you can really sink your teeth into them. I, I well what's interesting is if you follow through all of the DC animated universe from that time mm-hmm. period. Um mm-hmm. Because you've got Batman the Animated Series, and then you've got um, the Brave and the Bold, which is a, a five-episode arc with uh-huh. where Batman and Superman have tam- teamed up. Okay. Sort of. Um, because at the same time, the, the, the Superman Animated Series, which is so full of hope, which is so okay. full of – you know, Superman doing what he does best, which is that symbol of strength, of hope, yeah. of, of you know, what he was designed to do. Um, even the episodes, like uh, the Apocalypse episodes, mm-hmm. that deal with that hard thing where here's Darkseid coming to take over the Earth kind of thing, it's right. still, like, there's there's a lot of, uh, it's still a deep, meaty story. Um, yeah. And then when they fade that into Justice League, mm-hmm. um, starts with a five part, you know, okay, now we've got to get, there's a big thing and maybe we need to deal with this as a group instead of individuals. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the later Justice League episodes um, and Justice League Unlimited really good, mm-hmm. um, kind of a drop in. There's this beautiful two-parter. Oh my God, the two-parter with mm. um, with a guy who's, invading people's dreams and they can't sleep. Uh-huh. And, sounds familiar. and he's trying to get into Batman's head and the entire time Batman's just humming this thing and hasn't slept in like two days. Ooh. And he gets to the guy and the guy's like, make it stop. <laughs> get it out of my head. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I really like the, the animated depiction of Batman because he isn't a psychopath. 
Right. You know, all, right. All, all the other really depictions of Batman. I mean, and there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that he is, is that Bruce Wayne is a psychopath. Let's be well, honest. There was that one movie with um, uh, Arnold and uh, yes. what's her name? Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Yeah, that was the... Um, that one was kind of campy. That one was kind of campy. Um, the old, the old um, '60s TV series, very campy. Yeah. Very um, campy. Yeah, when when they started uh, the earliest, earliest comics, and then um, the comics code came in. The early, early comics, very dark, but mm-hmm. very noir. Uh, a lot of yep. what people wanted. The comics code comes in, so they had to make all comics friendly for kids. Blah blah. <laughs> right. Self regulating thing in the '80s, late '70s, early '80s when they started to have the competition realize that they had been competing with these indie scenes and had Mm -hmm. been losing to them and started to move back towards the darker, more grown up comics aren't just for kids things. Um, a lot of that went back. I mean, the Joker turned, you know, went back to being a mass murderer. Right. Um, Frank Miller, who is a nut job, um, who uh, like his early work in daredevil and Batman was absolutely incredible before he finished losing his damn mind. Um, Okay. Um, like he, he wrote some of the Batman stories that redefined the character. Um, he wrote, I want to say the definitive stories for daredevil, like the daredevil TV series Mm. that was on Netflix has, you can, I can see all of the Frank Miller fingerprints over that, right? He's not involved in the production, but the work he did when he was writing daredevil in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties influenced the character that strongly. Um, Mm -hmm. also it's worth it for the fucking portrayal of Wilson Fisk in the TV series of the Kingpin, the, Mm -hmm. the actor, um, I can never remember his name. He played Edgar, the bug in men in black. Um, but his his portrayal of Wilson Fisk the Kingpin is phenomenal. And this was a cartoon series? No. This was the live action Netflix Daredevil. Okay. Um uh again, one you kinda have to like you could almost give season two a miss. Season two uh-huh. was, season two was not the best. Um uh Oh God, Jessica Jones again. Probably not for you. Probably too violent, Jessica Jones. Probably too. But uh, the storytelling is amazing, right? Um, and and again, something I can put on the background. I don't have to pay attention to the screen all the time because I can I can listen to it more than have to watch it. Um, and that when I'm working, that's important. And yeah, yeah. And even now, um, even now in the current situation, having that sort of an escape. That that, yeah. that even even if Daredevil's kind of dark, the good guy wins in the end. Right. You know, um don't watch the Punisher. Punisher's way too violent for you. Ooh, but I couldn't the, even read the comics. Forget that. Yeah, the pun but the Punisher TV series is uh really I was really shocked at how good it was. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but I mean, you know, the, they're still, they're mostly dialogue driven. They're mostly, mm-hmm. you know, it isn't like you have to be watching for every single detail. Right. Um, that was more Luke Cage. Um, but, uh, you know, something to distract you even with that hopeful ending. 
right? Yeah. And I, I think that's that's much more the important thing right now is to remember the hopeful endings. That's why I like the Superman cartoons. Sure. Because um, until they started fucking with the character in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. Superman was all about that, you know, I am, I am trying to do what's right and right. always a hopeful thing. All, right. You know, um, you know, Superman fought racism for God's sake. You know, Cap- yeah, Captain yeah. Captain America literally punched Nazis. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, I, I appreciate what they did to bring the the stories to a more mature adult audience. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, man! Defender or um, uh, the Avengers movies. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Don't Which, watch. Yeah, I was going to say don't don't watch Endgame. Endgame There's no way. Endgame will tear you to pieces. Yeah. Um <laughs> but Thor Ragnarok is absolutely brilliant and hysterical. Um, okay, more lighthearted. Uh yeah, for for a uh, for a superhero movie very lighthearted. Of course, it's also uh um uh Watiti is the director. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he wrote it and oh my god, he is so fucking funny. <laughs> um if you did not, by the way, folks, if you have not seen the movie version of Things We Do in the Dark, um, it's sort of like Spinal Tap, but vampires. Okay. It's, yeah, there's there's some blood involved because they're vampires, but it's fucking hysterical. It's like a mockumentary type of It's thing. a mockumentary about vampires <laughs> in New Zealand. It's There is a series that is a little bit on the darker side that I did love reading was um, Sandman. Yes. Yes. Um, a little bit on the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be, uh, again, spoiler alert, um, by the time it got to the funeral, mm-hmm. I was a wreck. Like, oh, yeah. Because you spend how many books, like, with this dude, and he's gone, and mm-hmm. then now the replacement comes in, and same guy, but different somehow. And it's yeah. just like... Yeah. Oh, I was a wreck. The cat story. Oh, um, yeah. I was a complete wreck at that cat story. I was, I was a complete wreck. Um, so, oh yeah, Kevin, you might want to tag this one for spoilers. Galore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, the thing about, it, uh, the thing about it is, um, uh, that it's, that's all Neil Gaiman. Right. right. And I love Neil Gaiman. Um, nice guy. We got to meet him at the mm-hmm. 2012 uh, Hugo Awards. That's the only time I got to meet him. Um, not as tall as you would think. Uh, <laughs> oh, have you seen uh, Good Omens on Amazon? Oh, of course. Of course. I loved uh, when the novel came out. I read the novel when it came out because uh, it, yeah. it was Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman together. And I'm like, yeah. where has this been all my life? Yeah. Um, and That's comforting for me. Like, I'll reread it a few times. Like, yeah. Yeah. I haven't read it. In a while, Tail Chaser's song by Tad Williams is that for me. Okay. Is a comfort read. Um, I have not hit that point in the pandemic to, to require Tail Chaser's song yet. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it may happen. Um, we want those familiar things. Right. Right. Um, and, and Good uh, Omens is one of those that you can just put on in the background because oh. I've watched it a few times by now. You just put it on the background. <laughs> Um, you know, David Tennant's wanting about in like tight ass leather pants. Like, uh, what more do you want? Like, th- th- he's giving you everything you want right the fuck there. Um, with dark sunglasses on all the time and just like walking sex. I mean, that man. 
has no right. Like he has no right, but he, he pulls it off. Like slightly queer, slightly, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. A yeah, yeah. little bit like eighties glam rock, you know, type of vibe where it's like, I can be pretty, but I can also be badass. Uh, Crowley, his portrayal of Crowley was absolutely perfect. Yes. Um, the, did you ever see the, the he was in a rom-com uh, many years ago, Tenant was, where he plays like the screenwriter who's going to marry the famous actress. And so they've gone back to like his town in Scotland, but now uh-huh. he's stuck because he's um, he's got the writer's block. And, uh-huh. you know, there's the local Scottish girl. And I mean, it's brilliant, but it's a, definitely a different, a different David Tennant. You know, um, <laughs> I've never heard of this. I, I, yeah, no, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, there was also, um, of course he's the, he's the villain in the first season of Jessica Jones. Okay. And I mean, you know, he plays villain. Well, he plays villains amazingly well. Um, and if you hadn't seen some of the early bits of doctor who, where they were, where he had just regenerated and was figuring out who he was as the doctor, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. know, you wouldn't think about that. You think much more the, you know, the doctor who gallivanting around and, and kind of happy. Um, like if you miss the one episode where he looks at it and says, we're in the, the, you know, the universe's greatest library. My name is the doctor. Look me up. And then, (laughs) and then, yeah. And then the, the, the shadow is just like, Oh shit. Okay, we're done. Okay. Um you know, it's it's uh uh he plays them so well. And even then when he plays like the happy like Crowley is happy. Yes. Yes. Even even when he's in trouble, he's happy. And it's he's, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant. And ironically, mm-hmm. the um uh what's his face? As Azurafel is not. Yes. That is a deeply troubled young man. And uh and it it carries over with the um, it, it definitely carries over with the with the book. Yeah, like it you, does. You know his thing. Uh, I'm still loving in the book. They didn't cover this in the um, in the TV Mo- series, but in the book where he collects the misprinted Bibles. Yeah, you know, and and the famous uh, the the one cut where the guy just started going about on on if I don't get paid, I'm going to you know just like <laughs> I'm just like oh my god. <laughs> I see and, and the thing is is like I haven't read enough of Gaiman to know um which parts were his, but I've read all of Pratchett right. multiple times. So I can I can see glimmers of where like this is this is a hundred percent Pratchett, but that's rare. Most of the time it's meshed so well that you can't quite tell where the one voice begins and where the other one picks up. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and when asked what Neil Gaiman said was, uh, one, he won't tell. Right. And two, the answer will surprise you. Okay. Right. So there may be parts that you think is purely Pratchett and it was actually, it was actually Neil Gaiman. Um, Which probably means that the two of them are each other's hugest fans where like they've read each other's work. Were. Yeah. Um, the, I know. Or I yeah. Know, did I you know. did you see the 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 bit that Neil Gaiman posted about the Good Omens premiere? Mm-hmm. He and I'm going to mess up. Usually, you're the one weeping. Um, yeah. 
he brought along Terry Pratchett's hat and scarf and had set it in the seat next to him. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean the deep respect, great friendship through all the years. Um, That's beautiful though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, one of the, the great, how did you become a writer? Don't follow this path stories. Um, Pratchett Pratchett, who apparently just sent his manuscript out and a check showed up. (laughs) So he wrote another one. Yeah. Um, it sounds like something Ursula would say. <laughs> I, they keep yeah. giving me money, and I keep writing stuff, and they keep giving me money. Yeah, so he, I'm didn't, just gonna he, he didn't have an agent for years, apparently, because he didn't need one. He would just send right. them the manuscript, and they would send him a check. Um, right. <laughs> uh, you can, you can kind of tell right around um, Small Gods. I could not get through that oh fucking book. God. Jesus Christ, I could not get through that book. Um, small Gods. Um, all of the Susan books. Uh, uh, I love. I love the death books and the Susan books. Absolutely. Um, but Small Gods is just this sort of like it's a one-off, but it may be the best of the one-offs. Mm-hmm. Like Equal Rights was a one-off, sort of hinted yeah. at what would become the witches. Pyramids, which I thought was hysterical. Escarina um, comes back. Um, spoiler! 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 Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I have, have you read any of the Tiffany Aiken books? I have not read the Tiffany Aiken books. They are surprisingly dark for a children's series. Well, yeah, but kids like dark, and that's been one of Ursula's big, big yelling about um, when she was in doing the the middle grade books. Kids like dark, um, right? Like the graveyard book, uh, Anasi Boys. Um, Ursula had these great ideas for the hamster princess and they were just like, no. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. Like in, in actually, I can't tell you the, these because who knows, maybe they'll come back to her and say, maybe here's, they'll come back. here's a check. Let's do the book you wanted to do. Maybe right. it'll do better than the book we, we wanted you to do. Um, well, everyone who I've given hamster princess to as a gift has mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. Like right. Without cause you see the pink sparkly cover. Um, and you're like, all right, cool. I can I can fuck with the pink sparkly cover. But then you get in and you find out, spoiler, 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 mm-hmm. that you know the princess is a badass, like right. And and I feel like little girls can identify with that, where it's like, yeah, I don't always have to be pink sparkles and dresses. I like pink sparkles and dresses, right? But I want to go save people too. And um and and the thing, one of the things about it is like. Little Red Rodent Hood, which was the last of them, the sixth, okay. um, which was sort of a, a was a take on on Little Red Riding Hood. Um, mm-hmm. It was it it was a little dark because it isn't quite the story you're. Well, of course, none of them are quite the story you're right. used to. Right. Um, you know the the uh, the one with the. The one with the giant, the the retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk, as it were, where the giant is a big lop bunny. Uh-huh. Right. You know, I mean, um, but, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, um, I will remember now. Um, uh, there's, I have them all here, but the one that was retelling of, of uh, Rapunzel, Ratpunzel. Okay. Right, Ratpunzel. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, no, everybody's turned to stone outside the castle. Right. C- 
come on, people. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, there was stuff that she would have done that would have been maybe not maybe a little darker um mm-hmm. that they were just like no no you can't do that in a kids book and she's like but 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 and they're like no and but they're going to love it and it's like eh, well what can you yeah do? i don't know maybe they'd have sold better if she was allowed to do the dark stuff but that's at this point it's you know it's yeah. water under the bridge one of the first Tiffany Aiken books that I picked up, um, mm-hmm. I didn't think I would like it because I mm-hmm. found um, their their pixies to be really annoying, their their little dialect that they had going. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone told me if you just get past it, you're not missing anything. It's just it's just adding flavor and color. So like, don't worry about it if you hate them. Yeah. So and they tone it down as you go through the series. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the earliest books like opens up with the scene where. Um, uh, a little girl had gotten pregnant. I think she was like 14 or 15 or something like that. Yeah. And her father uh, beat her so badly that she lost the baby. And so now Tiffany has to go like get her, extricate her from that house and make sure yeah. that she's healed up. And, and that's opening scenes. And I'm like, I did not, ex- I was not prepared. <laughs> this like, is, I, this is not what you I expect from not. Pratchett. Yeah. No, yeah. no, but he, he still has that humor. He still yeah. has that, that, takedown of of your typical you know societal norms that kind of thing um but it's like i said it's way darker than i thought it was going to be and uh, essentially the annoying parts i could skip and granny weatherwax comes back well yeah yeah the um the the granny weatherwax from like witches abroad Mm -hmm. um not the the granny weatherwax from um from equal rights Correct. Different, very, yeah, very different. Um, again, great, great standalone. I, I, I like the. I may be the only person who really likes the Rincewind books. Okay. okay. <laughs> About this is funny that you mentioned this. Mm-hmm. When I first read the Rincewind books and mm-hmm. saw the movies, mm-hmm. I didn't care for them. I read them because it's Pratchett, and I'm just going to give it a shot. Um, then, upon like. Once you get further into his story, mm-hmm. um, there was that one where he went to the counterweight continent and he was helping yep. with the rebel uprising or whatever. And Cohen and the Barbarian, yeah. Where he has like a low-key meltdown and he's like, heroes don't end up changing shit. They end up dead. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you people are understanding the depth of what it is that you're trying to do. You're yep. all a bunch of fucking idiots. Like, what is wrong with you? You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't win a revolution with politely worded posters like you must be nuts once i got to that point Mm -hmm. something clicked in my head where i was like oh you're that guy you're the one guy in this entire world that's gone wonky upside down crazy you're the only guy who sees the reality of it all and you see that they're all fucking nuts Mm mm-hmm um, so then I went back and reread them. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Now that I see it in that context, it all just like makes sense. And, and then you grow to really love Rincewind because like all this time, the shit he's been saying, he's not a coward. He just sees through the bullshit. The emperor <laughs> has no clothes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is when I started reading Discworld, yeah. There were five books. Yeah. The Color of Magic, The Light Fantastic, uh, Equal <laughs> Rights, um, Mort, 
Uh, no, Reaper Man. Reaper Man. Oh, that Reaper was a Man. Yeah, one. that's that's like the the first one where you really get a feel for death. Um, yeah. And then uh, what was the one that came after it? Uh, Sorcery. Mm-hmm. Sorcery was really good. Sorcery was really good. Yeah. Um, that was it. So I've been like, I have like the old original, like UK edition cover paperbacks yeah. on some, um, or maybe mom has them and I, Ursula has some of them. Um, so yeah, it, it, Pratchett is so subversive and hiding yeah. his comments on society with, um, with the humor so well, yes. um, that when you, by the time you get to uh, monstrous regiment, Oh, or, such a good one. Or um now I can't remember the name of the one now, but the one where um Vimes ends up back at the one revolution. That one I couldn't get into. Guards guards? Uh or no. Night, guards guards Nightwatch. was like the first guards book. That was like the sixth book. You're uh, probably thinking of Nightwatch, maybe? Uh yeah, maybe it was Nightwatch. Where mm. the time travel shit? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. And Spoiler, all Voyager episodes of time travel shit, I just skipped. I can't That's okay, time. Ursula. That's, I think it's one of the few time travel stories that Ursula didn't scream about. And I think it was okay. because it was how Pratchett did it. And Ursula hates time travel. Absolutely. Just, yeah. She she figures it. for, But the way it's so put together, and yeah, it's a hard one. It's it's one of his harder stories. But yeah. the it's the the – Deft with which he would inter he interweaves the humor in with yeah. some of these these harder subjects. Um, dear God, Hogfather, um, Thief of Time. Oh my God! Yeah, How right, right. Um, anything, anything with the guards because the guards tend to um, they're dealing often with the dregs of the Discworld. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my God! The scene at uh, oh, which one was it? Where Vimes is walking down the street uh, from the embassy after the uh, Fifth Elephant. Mm-hmm. At the end of Fifth Elephant, spoiler alert, guys, where he's walking yep. down the street after the <laughs> bad guy, and uh, and they're like, "You can't do this." He's like, "I'm in hot pursuit." Right. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly can. This started in the the you know in the embassy, and uh, and I am in pursuit. And they're like, "Oh well, if you're in pursuit of a criminal." And just stand back. I'm just like, right. dude, dude, like Vimes doesn't fuck around. No. Um, you know who I also like is um, Carrot uh, Iron Founderson. Yes. Where uh, there was that one where I think the dragon was the king of the city or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Carrot like has his little law book out and he's checking off. Would you say that the um, <laughs> order has broken down irreparably? Yes. Check. Do you own more than this much property? Check. Cool. Now I'm going to make an army right quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, the scene in um, Lords and Ladies. Uh huh. Um, was it Lords and Ladies? No. That's no. Uh, Masquerade. Yes. Where the vampires have taken Granny Weatherwax. Again, it's like the Batman thing. No, that was Carpe Jugulum. Carpe Jugulum. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, when when the vampires have taken and they're like, it's it's like that scene in I was telling you about in Justice League where they're like, yeah. we just want tea with lemon and scones. Make it stop. And she's like, you thought you were taking me, but you let me in. Right. Now I'm that like, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. I love Granny Weatherwax because she, 
she always has that practical, yeah. but at the same time diabolic side to her. <laughs> she could have become Black Alice. <laughs> That's right, but chose not to. But chose, chose not, not to. And is really resentful about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, so there was another. There's another video you have here that I'm guessing is distractful, or is it cooking? It's. We'll get to it in a second. Okay. There is a podcast for Discworld. Oh. Um, where they go from the beginning and they read one book mm-hmm. and then the three of them discuss it. Okay. It's called Weird Sisters. W Y R D Sisters. Right. Um, which was the name of the first witch's job. book? Pardon. Which was the name of the first witch's book? Yes. 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 Um, and uh, their their tagline is the turtle moves. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Um, so okay, so there's three more of them that I wanted to yeah, throw out yeah, there, yeah. For the listeners. Um, one of them is called Baumgartner Restoration. Now you have these old, old, old paintings mm-hmm. where um, uh, people have done touch-ups to them over the years because, oh, yeah. like. The, chips off or like the canvas gets fucked up or mm-hmm. you know you need to remount it on a different stretcher or whatever yeah um unfortunately because of the age of some of these paintings the the restoration or the touch-ups that they've done um is what's called um uh destructive like yeah you're basically painting over the artist's original work mm-hmm. and oh, was that ursula no that's liz Okay. Um, <laughs> what he does is that he reverses all those mm-hmm. changes that were made over time. Because the thing is, is like sometimes it'll be a tiny little speck of exposed canvas, and the person who was um, touching it up got so overzealous with the paint that they literally started painting over the artist's original shit. And the other issue is, is that varnish ages. Yes. So as time goes on, it discolors and it gets darker mm-hmm. and. If you're not storing the painting properly, there's dust, there's cigarette smoke, there's all oh, yeah. kinds of shit that gets on the surface. So if you're retouching something like a hundred years after it was painted and you're looking at the color as it is in front of you, that's not the original color that no. the artist intended for you to see. Um, and rather than stripping off all that varnish and, and just, you know, touching it up to the correct color, they're just painting over it and mm-hmm. then revarnishing and then painting over and revarnishing. What he does is that he goes through and takes off all the layers of varnish, all the dust, all the oh. dirt, takes off all the tacks from the back of the stretcher, mm-hmm. and lets the canvas relax for a while. A lot of times um, they'll try to mount the canvas onto something. Mm-hmm. So they'll put it on like a wood backing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, they'll use like this this really thick, nasty glue to like adhere it onto there, which then fucks up the paint that's coming up underneath it because mm-hmm. if there's any texture at all on that surface, it's going to show. Yep. Right. So he goes through and removes all that crap and just mm-hmm. gets the canvas back down to where it started. Um, then he paints a layer of varnish over it and then retouches. And it's just like, it's touches. It's like little, little dib dabs of color yeah. to fill in those little blank areas um, and then restore the painting to what the artist had originally intended. And you're talking about paintings that you thought were supposed to be like this sepia-toned gray overcast type of scene. And it's vibrant and it's beautiful and it's like golds and reds and like all these other colors. But because the varnish was so gross over the years, it, it just sat there. It's a fucking process. Like, yeah, you can't just go hit it with a solvent and, you know, expect it. He's going through these huge canvases with Q-tips 
like oh yeah little oh. tiny section at a time um when he's removing the backing he'll go there with a, like a little scalpel and like scrape off tiny tiny little areas until the entire canvas is now naked from the back um and so that entire process and his voice he has this like <laughs> rumbly sort of like very methodical mm-hmm. like way of speaking um if you can't sleep Flip that fucker on and just <laughs> sit back and watch him because I guarantee you you're going to be conked out. Like there's there's no question about it. Right. Um, he's just so calming and so just matter of fact about what he's doing. He's just like mm-hmm. you're working. Um, so like he he has those N95 masks because he's you know oh, yeah. working yeah, yeah. with a lot of heavy duty. Oh, solvers. he's working with nasty he shit. He donated yeah. whatever he had. As well as did some fundraising to get his um, N95 mask manufacturer mm-hmm. to mass produce them and donated all those masks to the local Chicago hospitals in his area. Oh wow! Yeah, no. So like, he's a good guy. Um, he creates lots and lots of content, and his he has shorter videos. So like, if you're not really interested in falling asleep and you just want to look at the process, he has videos that are like eight or nine minutes long. Just get in, you know, see what the thing is, and he explains yeah. it very well. But if you want to get stuck in and just it's it's hypnotic almost. Um, just watch this guy like he's, he's extremely <laughs> blessed to watch. Um, I I can feel like a day of stress like just melting away when this guy's just like dulcet tones are just oh it's 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 so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's that's the uh, the last video on your list, and we'll get to that. Does that for us? But there's yes. a reason for that. Um, uh, the other one uh, one for me has always been um, how it's made. I love how it's made. Are you kidding me? Watching those machines in action? Yeah, and and it's always so soothing. Uh, yeah, and sometimes you're like, oh, that makes that makes sense. I, I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't realize that's how they would do that. Or I always wondered how that was done. Or oh, I didn't like the the one with the hockey gloves where they're all still in a lot of ways. There's there's hand process. Hey. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so many things I didn't realize would go through like are still very, very, we think of them as mass produced, but the, the sure. truth is they're still, they're mass produced, but they're mass produced by humans, not by machines. Right. Like a baseballs. Like if you've ever yeah. seen that baseball episode, um, they show them stitching it together and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, so satisfying to just watch those stitches come together. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, the, the ones that always fascinate me are the casting ones. Like the slip casting of the ceramic statues mm-hmm. or the sand casting of um, the the wax to – yeah, sand to wax, wax to or, – or no, hand carved to the metal at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that whole thing. That whole process of, okay, yes. we're, we're going to start with this thing and then we're going to coat it with the thing so that it – can handle the metal and then we're going to put the metal in it burns out all the wax and then right. we knock off the ceramics. It's like, dude, that was a process. Yeah. And then the guy has to go in and hand shine it and shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's even beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it yet, there's a competition. You know how there's bake off. Of course. Oh yeah. We all love great British bake off. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Lots of fun to watch. Um, the UK took that formula mm-hmm. and put it into every other <laughs> art form you could think of. Oh, that's awesome. So there's something called the Great Pottery Throwdown, where it's potters who make pottery. Yeah. Um, there's 
the great gardening uh, challenge or something like that. Which is, that's the they, one we'll have to watch. The moment I tell yeah. Ursula it exists, we're going to have to find it and watch it. Oh, yeah. No, no. And, and there's also one for sewing where, like, mm-hmm. um, they have to create, like, a garment in X amount of time. And it's not like Project Runway where they're like, here's two hours, um, some spit, and uh, the shoelaces off your boot. Uh, go make an outfit. <laughs> it's more like, here's all this fabric. Here's all the materials that you need. Here's really good quality sewing machines. Go make a perfect outfit. Nice. And we're going to nitpick like all the stitches mm-hmm. and make sure that everything's even and that you've hemmed it all neatly and that everything comes together. So like, again, very satisfying to watch, very yeah. calming, very that kind of thing. There's one for portraiture. So like, oh. where I think it's called like best portrait artist of the year mm-hmm. where there's a model that sits. It's usually a celebrity of some kind and like four or five artists sit around in a circle and they all paint their portrait over the course of like however many hours. Um, and then the guest, uh, you know, uh, sitter gets to pick which one they like the best. And then that person wins. That's, that's brilliant. And uh, you just, you, you just said the thing about project one runway and I'm like, so project runway is to fashion the way chopped is to cooking. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because that's not – there's a new series on Amazon called mm-hmm. Making the Cut, I believe, mm-hmm. where it's a lot more realistic to the fashion world. So what they do is that um, you're responsible for making your own patterns. You're responsible for, like, coming up with the concepts, so, like, your sketches, your everything else. Right, right. Then you send it to the sewers who will construct the garment for you overnight. Mm-hmm. That's how actual fashion works. Like actual designer never does much of the hand sewing until like it's the last minute and they want to make minor adjustments. The reality of it is um, you start off with the concept and then you make the um, it's, it's usually some kind of CAD software where um, you, you make the pieces that, that need to go into that garment. It used to all Uh, be hand drawn. It used to be hand drawn, but now yeah. it's all computer. Um, then, so they're they're provided computers on which they can do this with the full um, mm-hmm. creative suite on there, so that they can you know knock it up in Illustrator or whatever they need to do. Then that gets printed out and um, you know in in real size and sent off to the manufacturing plant, mm-hmm. who then sends you back a sample size and make sure that everything fits right, that there's no bunching, there's no dumb shit. Um, <laughs> then they do fit on a live model. Mm-hmm. Then they do final adjustments. Then they send it out to runway. It's not. Yeah one person, you know, working until midnight and then getting up the next morning at five o'clock in the morning and, you know, like rushing to hair and makeup. It's, that's not realistic. It's, um, it's much like, um, top chef does that bullshit too, where it's like, we're going to give you an ingredient that you don't want to use that you don't like that nobody likes. And you have to make something good out of it. And also we're going to cut back your time. And also you're not working by yourself. You're working in a team of two. And also like, it's just Mm -hmm. becomes like, how much more garbage can we stack on top of your head to produce drama for the television? And it's not realistic to how fashion works. If you like fashion, you're interested in that process. I think making the cut is definitely worth it. It still has Tim Gunn. It still has, I believe Heidi is on there as well. Okay. Um, Naomi, Naomi Campbell, mm-hmm. um, Nicole Richie, and then mm-hmm. some other celebrity I can't remember, but there's like a panel of judges and they, and they're, they're, they're strict. They're just like, I don't like how that's constructed. That's not an exciting concept. I don't see what the fuck the point of this was, but the pressure is not on the contestant to, to construct. Right. They just, right. The, conceptualize and then send it off to the factory to get constructed. Um, 
that's that's why I like the the, the British version of it. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel Bake Off has veered off into similar territories as Chopped and the rest of them. <clears throat> Is that just me? No, that was me. No, no, no. I'm talking about like Bake oh, Off oh, used to oh. start off where they're like, "Here's the best ingredients money can buy. Mm-hmm. Here's the best equipment money can buy. Make something delicious." We're going to nitpick on, you know, Mm -hmm. these minor, minor details because y'all did a good job. Um, But by and large, here's, you know, here's your shit. I feel like the last three seasons or so have become a little bit more frantic. Um, One thing I will say about it, though, that um, and and I I will admit Chopped is sort of the same way, is Mm. they don't push drama between the contestants. Correct. And I like that. Yeah. And, and the, the, the contestants are all like, even on day one, they've known each other for a couple hours, like Mm -hmm. a day at most on day one. And yet they're still crying and hugging each other as the first person has to leave. It's like, that is, is much better than, you know, some of the ones where it's like that bastard's going to leave here because I'm going to take him down. Um, yeah. You know, I, I much prefer that much more positive sort of we're all in this together. And, uh, you know, there's a couple episodes the last uh, couple seasons of, of uh, Bake Off where somebody was having trouble and another person would just be like, OK, I'm going to help you. Help or, you or, right. Oh, you need what? Here, here, take some of mine. Hey, you right. know, um, uh, I got to say, I, I, you're I, absolutely right. Because yeah. I, I remember hearing an interview um, with one of the winners or one of the top, you know, top two, top three, something like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, where he said, I think he was from the first season, mm-hmm. second season, early season, where he was like, the first day that we met each other, we got into like an hours long dissertation about the merits of different stand mixers, because <laughs> we're all a bunch of baking nerds, right. and didn't have anybody else to talk about mm-hmm. this with. So even on the first day when someone's leaving, we're all really sad to see them go, because they're one of us. They're our kind of people. Yeah. And, and if you've, um, I don't know if you follow any of the social medias, but like, um, Kim Joy, uh, mm. from a couple seasons ago, um, and Liam, Liam C. The, mm-hmm. uh, um, like, I follow their Instagrams and they're still like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with yeah. this person or that person. Um, they, there's this this tight knit sort of we've become a family that mm-hmm. I find much better than the the be all end all of drama whatever fucking survivor. Right. right, I don't care for that so much. Every man out for every person out for themselves, and um, you know, fuck you, kind of thing. Um, I guess that that goes all the way back to like the real world or Big Brother or all that stuff. Well, like, I, I, I'm okay. I generally don't like competition in my regular day-to-day life. I prefer right. cooperative type of stuff. So, yeah, like, yeah. if someone wants me to play a game, I have much more fun if it's a cooperative game and mm-hmm. we're all trying to play against the game, like, ironically, pandemic. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you're all doctors who are trying to heal this fucking disease that's going mm-hmm. all over the U.S. and nobody's staying inside. Um, <laughs> huh. But... <laughs> But it's more like it's us against the world rather than Mm -hmm. I'm trying to take you out. Risk can get fucked. You should try Wingspan. What is Wingspan? Wingspan is sort of the bird watching collecting game. What? Yeah, no, it's 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 brilliant. The the whole idea (laughs) is um, there are cards with birds. Yeah. 
and the birds live in habitats, and you get points uh, like their goals set at the beginning of each round um, as to how it's going to score out. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of competition, but it's mm-hmm. much more of a, oh, cool, you got, right. you know, uh, you got a raven, or you right. got, you know, now there's a lot of screaming in our house because. <laughs> You know, like, this bird is not that size. What do you mean right. this bird is that big? It is not that big. And, you know, but... Um, other or Shepard gaslighting Ursula to say, that's not a real bird. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, I mean, overall, it's just this nice little collect the birds and score at the end kind of game. Right. You know, um, and and it's it's not stressful. It's kind of relaxing. And, mm-hmm. um, me who's only into one kind of bird, um, I got to go check them soon. Cause it's dark out. Yeah. <laughs> um, even I get into it, even I sure. get into it, you know, cause you're going to include that in the show notes, right? Oh yeah. God. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm waiting. I need to talk to my friend, uh, who runs an online game business, uh, because there's supposed to be, there'd been rumors of an expansion. Oh, cool. Um, cause it, this one only does North American birds. <laughs> you want to see all of them uh, come on where's my hooded crow where's right. where's my you know uh, where's my where's my rook where's my raven um right well okay where's my european raven versus mm-hmm. you know the the north american yeah so <laughs> how cool would it be if they had a galapagos expansion pack and you're like where the hold, on, hold on hold on hold on what Europe, there is no European raven. It's the common raven, which is the same bird. It, is a, it has hollow Arctic distribution. Okay. <laughs> it's a, that there is no European raven. Yeah, There's a no. common raven. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it recorded. That's um, my life, ladies and gentlemen. My life. <laughs> Listen. You or I would do the same exact thing if it was something that we know. I'm I'm still mad at uh, Midsummer Murders over the one computer hacking episode. Oh hey, Uh-oh. chicken nuggets just showed up. <laughs> you got chicken nugget delivery. Chicken nugget delivery. Well, neat. Before I crunch, I'm going to hit the mute button. Yes. <laughs> no, the the um. There's also this one where it's a little bit more high stress, um, where it's like you're playing firefighters and the house is on fire and every round you have to roll for like how much more smoke damage you have. Okay. And if you add more smoke damage on top of um, an active fire, Mm -hmm. it blows up in all directions and so it gets crazy. I played a game of it with three of my friends and um, there's a a Steam game called Tabletop Simulator where they have... A yeah. ton of like different games that you can put in there. It's a, like a sandbox, open you know, open play type of thing. You can make it whatever you want. Uh, Kevin's nodding vigorously, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's so we we played this over over um, over Steam. And the one downside I would say is that everyone needs to have a copy of Tabletop Simulator. Okay, but it's it's like twenty bucks. Um, and I think it goes on sale quite regularly. So, like, it's mm-hmm. if you like playing a lot of different board games, like, and you, you want to like play with your friends over the internet, that's a really good one. Um, all the Jackbox Jackbox games are so much fun to play. Um, like, you get on a Discord voice chat, flip on this sucker, and now Discord <laughs> has a ability. Yeah. So, 
you can do it right there within Discord. You don't need to go out into Twitch or anything else like that. Um, it, like there's there's a ton of ways to like keep engaged with the people who you can't see on a regular basis anymore. Um, and and actually, those last two um, channels that I had posted for your Twitch channels, mm-hmm. one of them is for the Bob Ross um, one. Where love Bob Ross, love Bob love Ross. Bob Ross. Yeah. Uh, the other one is for Iron Chef. <laughs> love Iron Chef. I will. I I watched it when it was hitting the. F- Food TV at first, um, Same. right around the time uh, that uh, Morimoto-san was taking over as yeah. Iron Chef Japan, and oh my god. Right. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that one, the neat thing about watching these shows on Twitch is that if you're watching it by yourself, it's a solitary experience. If you're watching it on Twitch, there's like a little chat window right next to the video box. Oh, right. And you guys comment on the episode as it's going along. Sometimes with like the Bob Ross ones, those channels tend to be a little quieter. They're not as raucous as, you know, the other ones. But Iron Chef, people fucking get into it because um, they have a Fukui-san um, counter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So every time Ota says uh, Fukui-san, they add to the counter. <laughs> um, and, and like... Usually, if, if it's like a fun bunch, what will happen is that they'll start like predicting what the chef is going to do with that particular ingredient. Or mm-hmm. they'll say like, oh, he started with this thing. He's probably going to make that thing. Um, and so like it's 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 like when it was talking about all the Bake Off team members, the team members, contestants meeting each other. It's mm-hmm. like you're now hanging out with other nerds who are into this thing that you're into. Right. And they're all talking about it at the same time. And you don't feel alone anymore. So it's like not nearly as isolating as it is just watching it by yourself, you know, yeah, yeah, in yeah, your yeah. little cave. Well, I mean, we, we've maintained our D and D game for over a decade and changed different Whoa. tools. Um, yeah. I mean, we've had good months and bad months. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we've always done it virtually, we've always had, uh, some form of, of, um, virtual tabletop. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's something that, like I know a lot of games are getting interrupted. They have to learn this stuff right now because yep. they're used to, I go to my neighbor's house, I go to my right. friend's house or whatever. Um, and, and that's what, uh, uh, the tabletop simulator reminded me of like this, the software we use roll 20, mm-hmm. um, web-based cloud-based, uh, great has a lot of different games in it. Um, it, that PSR? what's that? Is that through TSR or something? No, they're an independent company, but they've licensed, Okay. I mean, I have to, no, it's not TSR anymore. Anyway, it's wizards of the coast. Oh, TSR was bought out. How long I've played. (laughs) Yeah. TSR was bought out. Uh, the original TSR Gygax, uh, and, um, and company was bought out by a, uh, basically an early days corporate Raider, uh, Mm -hmm. late eighties, early nineties. And like, you can, kind of see in the rule sets where it changed from we're making a fun game to, Oh my God, we have to worry about being sued. Okay. All right. And then wizards of the coast, you know, magic, the gathering, they had all all this magic, the gathering money. They bought out, they bought TSR from, uh, from the, the, I forget all the, the things around it, um, released what, is known as third edition at this point, And then not long after, um, 3.5, um, uh-huh. which, and, and started to make some really positive changes. 
Fourth edition wasn't quite as good. Somewhere in there, Wizards of the Coast was bought out, uh, was acquired by Hasbro. What? Yeah. Um, but uh, they've continued to improve, like um, add talent. Uh, they under for whatever reason. I think they're being run a little differently than the Barbie division. Or no, Barbie's I, I Mattel, so. but, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Um, so they're they're bringing in more talent. They're doing more live events. Um, fifth edition. I I'm, that's what we're playing now. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, my is only twenty. Um, it it is a D twenty. Yeah. Um, it's it's taken some evolution since three sure. five, which was or three, which was the original D twenty. Um, mm-hmm. But um, my only gripe with it right now is if I want to use my player's handbook and all the resources from it in Roll20 is I have to buy the digital Roll20 version of the player's handbook. Got it. That's fine um, because at this point I'm just like instead of having to go to the bookstore and get a physical book and do all the whatever with it, now I can just go in and say, okay, fine. I need the new Volo's Guide to Everything. Click, click, click. Boom. I've paid my 40 bucks and suddenly there it is and I've got it. You know, um, I've got it as long as the service exists, and for a one-time purchase, as long as the service exists, you know, it's I'm, fine. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they and Wizards, uh, Watsi, Wizards of the Coast, is being really good about making sure that as they're releasing stuff to stores and to their own online, all the other places that license it like that get it at the same time. Okay. So it's not like, oh, I, I need to go, if I want it right now, I have to go to buy the book. And then, oh, now it's out for, for Roll20, I have to buy it from Roll20. Right. No. They're like, nah, here's the rise of Tiamat, and you can buy it everywhere. Which is great. Yeah, which is great. Um, it's just that, you know, if I want a physical copy and a digital copy, I kind of have to pay for it twice. Sure. But, but I mean, how often do you break up the physical copy, to be honest? Um. Not as often as I used to. Yeah, because um, I'm betting you that the digital copy is also searchable. Um, well, one of the things they did uh, with 4th edition, they they created a thing, uh, this was purely Wizards of the Coast, called the Compendium, mm-hmm. which, which was a website where you could go search anything. Oh, in any of the books. So if you needed a monster, if you needed to know about uh, a, a rule check or something like that, you could just go in and type grappling, and it would bring nice. up the rules for grappling, or um, I could you know, um, uh, healing touch and boom, there's, here's the classes that use it. Here's the, you know, all the rules around it. Boom, boom. And one of the things they did with roll 20 is everything just sucks right into the, into their own searchable compendium. Okay. So if I need something, I can, I can either do the menu. Oh yes. I need to look at classes and paladin and blah or monsters, blah, blah. Or I can just type in, uh, you know, oh, what are the, what is a, uh, I think a roper would be a really good monster to use here. Roper, boom, here's the three different kinds of ropers, you know, that I have access to because those are the resources I paid for. Right, right, right. right. Um, and, and that's been more of it. It's like, oh man, you know, this, I really want to do this thing, but to do this thing, like this is a new rule and, and fuck it. Boom. There we go. You know, um, <laughs> I think I, You're not uh, books. Yeah, no, I just bought a new book uh, for it this past week because Ursula's um, Druid was leveling up, and it was in that book that had her, like, the path, Druidic path she wanted. It was in a, in a later book, not in the core books. Okay. Right? So it's just like, okay, you know what? That makes sense. 
we're using it. I don't have to, you know, it, it makes sense to pay for it, to use it. Not like my entire shelf of fourth edition stuff over there that was much more of a, in case I need it, I'll buy it. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. And then it became... But, like, remember, I remember playing AD&D back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you had your monster manual, mm-hmm. you had your player handbook, mm-hmm. the DM handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a couple of supplementals for like armor and barding. Um, I think there was a couple of supplementals for costuming or whatever. Yeah. Um, but realistically, you could just do it with the player handbook or the DM handbook. Um, right. And our DM back in those days, because he didn't want to have to flip through his book every time whenever mm-hmm. he would design a campaign, he would write his little monster stats on his little index cards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and have him behind the screen so that he knew what's coming up. Um, there's something about the charm of just like that setting where it's like you're at the D store mm-hmm. because there would be those stores that would sell you know nerd shit and they still are they're really still, still are. are yeah yeah um and you're all playing and you know you've all ordered pizza and you're sitting around and just like mm-hmm. shooting the shit um but i i think now especially with with quarantine going mm-hmm. so heavily this digital it's almost like Wizards of the Coast was prepping for this long before it happened I, and it's like here you have it go um in a lot of ways, what they were doing was trying to make it more accessible to people. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, when I started playing in 7980, first mm-hmm. edition AD&D was just barely out. Red yeah. box beginner, blue box expert. Um, like, yeah, you would have to go to the store and you would have yeah. to deal with the – grognards and the assholes and the girls don't play D D or you know <laughs> the gatekeepers you know right. um the next right yeah um one of the things that that watsi really did with fourth edition and then fifth edition was it wasn't that they were prepping for a pandemic event it's that in order to get it in the hands of more people to get more people playing to get more people yeah. excited about it they started making the tools that people were using. Right. Like, you know, like I would much rather have an app to do quick lookups than have to buy 15 books and cart them around with me. Right. You know, um, I would much rather, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and they made some missteps with four. I mean, the technology platform they used died before fifth edition came out. Um, Yeah, no, it was based on Microsoft Silverlight, which was this interactive thing. Very Silverlight Microsoft- ate a dick. Right? Um, Not a... Yeah, so, yeah, you know. Um, but that was where the tools were, right? Mm. Um, that's what they developed it on. So I'm like, here I am on my Linux box, and I'm like, fuck. I can't even load the website. Um, <laughs> fifth edition, they've 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 been much more... They've, they've, unlike the early, early days where it was all print, 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 um, they're embracing and moving forward with the technology. Like they understand okay. that the, the, like they had started doing all of this four or five years ago. Wow. Like, uh, like not long after fifth edition came out, they started with the digital push and there's a big announcement when roll 20 got started carrying actual wizards of the coast, um, stuff. Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, they've been, uh, we only switched to roll 20, I want to say last year, year before. Um, okay. but you know, it, uh, because that's when it was mature. So all of this stuff has been evolving and mature and it's not that they were prepping for this type of event. It's that this is the, the, the t- 
timing on it all is just hitting a sweet spot in terms of, you know, if, if we're going to be stuck inside and we need that human interaction, we now have the tools. We don't have to write letters. We don't have to talk to our neighbors across the thing, you know, um, we can, with with regards to barrier to entry, right. Yeah. Uh, I dropped out right after second edition, I believe it was, mm-hmm. which I think that was the one right after AD&D, right? That, yeah, that was the one right after AD&D and when the lawyers really sort of owned it, yeah. Right. I dropped out after there because that's when the rules started becoming a little cumbersome, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was pretty straightforward to roll a character sheet for D&D. Um, well, D&D had, like, Elf as a fucking character, so I mean, okay, right. fair enough. But, like... AD&D, um, did we freeze? Uh, the, it was a little skippy on my end. Yeah, froze. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying, like, D&D was very mm-hmm. easy because, like, you didn't have that many things to choose from in the first place. Yeah. AD&D, you had a few more choices because now you have race and class. Mm-hmm. Cool. But it still didn't take a long time to roll a character seat. Because you usually knock one up in about, like, 10, 15 minutes or so. Yeah. For a quick, like, pick-me-up game. Mm-hmm. Um and usually by then, um, you were used to doing it enough that you're just like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Second edition, they kind of threw out the old shit, and they were just like, we're going to start from scratch. Yep. And, and you're not just um, a magic user anymore. Now you're either a sorcerer or a wizard or some shit. Like, mm-hmm. it was some bizarre, weird shit that they added, which I feel like didn't really add much to the... It, it Playing, added, if you know what I mean. It added to. I I think it it changed the demographic, right? Yeah. It it became much more of you have to be the math nerd, you have to be the rules right. lawyer, have to know all this stuff, and um, fourth edition for all of its flaws, mm-hmm. because fourth edition like took everything that had been built up in second and third and all of that complexity and just slapped it down to much more these are character archetypes or these are class archetypes and these are the like so you're you're a leader but a, a leader is a paladin or an alchemist or or something like that one of this very specific subset of classes um mm-hmm. much more you're building a party uh around the idea that you're going to have um two damage doers and someone who's a controller that is they can move other things around and uh-huh you know, uh, uh, made it much more, someone complained that it was much more like an MMO. Which is fine because those MMO raiding parties make sense because right. it's like, you need your tank, you need your healer, you need right. your spellcaster with, you know, enough, um, area of, uh, what the fuck's it area called? Of area effect. of effect. Yeah. That, that can actually yeah. do something about it. And those are very simple mechanics to get your head around. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can go. I don't know much about MMOs with regards to um, World of Warcraft because um, right. the cost was a little bit of a barrier to entry for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a website called Gaia Online, yep. uh, very popular. It was like an anime slash manga mm-hmm. slash role playing community type of thing. They released their own MMO, and um, it was free to play um, as long as you had an account, and the account is also free yeah um you were able to get all the items in game you didn't actually have to go pay money for any of them so like you could just sort of like farm items at the spot upgrade Mm -hmm. them over time it was very easy to jump into a casual party go raid a certain spot you know Mm -hmm. farm what you're farming from there and get out like you could do this in the space of like 10 15 minutes or so and it was a casual like fun way to just like jump in 
I feel like when you start getting into these like heavy duty um, specifics, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as fun anymore. Now it becomes like, I uh, have you heard of that um, role playing game, Vampire the Masquerade? Yes, I have run games of Vampire the Masquerade. And how long those fucking character sheets take to fill out? And how long, like a single? Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a different sort of hit. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a different sort of thing. It's like, yes, I was in a high level raid group in World of Warcraft. Yeah. Uh, before all the expansions came out, um, it became a second job. Right. Just, just to maintain. Um, and that's one of the things that Wizards was really good about with the transition from third to fourth is here's, here's, it's easier to introduce people. It's easier to, yeah. you know, here are all these pre-gen characters that you can just yeah. hand out and get people into. Um, the mechanics of it being too, so much MMO, it, a lot of people felt like it took away from the storytelling aspect. And as someone who's been running a game, very difficult to do that storytelling aspect and keep within the, the mechanics of things. Um, fifth edition is a lot it has a lot of that simplicity that quick here's it's easy to generate a character and and mm-hmm. run with um but it's got a lot more flexibility around okay i want th- more storytelling aspects than okay here's the encounter here's the boss next yeah. here's the encounter here's the combat next um right. i can i can do a lot more with fifth edition it's more I, flexible i guess yeah i was a little hesitant to switch um mm-hmm. Also, I was waiting for the tools to mature um, because we're completely virtual and it's, it's very difficult. Like, you know, and I have this huge, you can't see it, but I'm, I'm leaning off. Like I have an entire, literally a bookshelf that is um, two thirds of it is nothing but fourth edition D and D books. Good Lord. Like I have all but one or two of fourth edition D and D books. Okay. Right. Um, and I'm so looking, you're playing that for a, for a while. Uh 2009 until um, the tool stopped working, I think right around the beginning of 2018. Okay. Right. Um, so I, when fifth edition came out, I wasn't in a rush. I had damn near everything. Right. I didn't want to spend the big, you know, the money. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to replace this. And they've only got three books out. They've only got five books out. And right. There are no tools. Right. right. There, I can't do anything with it. I can't, I, I have to do, I still have to do it by hand on paper. I need tools. Um, that's changed in the last couple of years. Um, since we, especially since we, we, we flirted with Iron Claw, we tried it with GURPS, but fifth edition has just been spot on. Nice. Right. You're um, saying it's a lower barrier of entry if you're not, if you haven't followed along since like second. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 still the familiar rules, the familiar settings. Um, okay. It's just uh, a lot. Of, they've streamlined a lot of the mechanics. They've um, you can go out now. There's there's something called the SRD, the the system resource document. Okay, and the SRD is free. Oh, okay, right, and it contains like the core classes, the core races, um, the core stats, even some core monsters. Like the okay. SRD is all you need to play. If you just want to, uh, that, if you want right. the fancier stuff or whatever, then you move to a player's handbook. Then it's, it really is a try before you buy. But for somebody like me, who's like, I'm not sure if we want to use this system, let's sure. try it out. Boom. Done. And then once you were hooked, you're like, all right, I'll spend the 40 bucks. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, and I didn't even need to with roll 20. 
Oh. Like roll 20 with, between the SRD and being able to go in and say, oh, I need this, I need that with roll 20. I actually only bought myself the books, um, I want to say right around Christmas time this okay. year after playing for almost a year. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, I only just now have started to buy the physical books because I want to have them on hand. Occasionally, I want to be able to take out that paper and flip through it and look and browse and, and whatever that digital doesn't always translate to. No, because I also remember with um, when I first started playing D&D, when I got that monster manual, I read it like a book. I yeah. pretty much read it cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got the player's handbook, I read it like a book. I read mm-hmm. it cover to cover because they were thin little volumes. They weren't yeah. these like big, thick, heavy, because like this was the issue that I had with 2.0 mm-hmm. is that I think the player's handbook alone was like this big, fat, chunky um Oh, he's 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 reaching behind his desk because yeah, yeah. um, he already has it there. There you go, box. Oh, sorry, box set. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah. and they're big, chunky, and it's like, and and it takes such a long time, and it's and it's not fun to read anymore because it's mm-hmm. like you could you could dive in and just like because they would have. Um, I don't know if you remember this from the original um, books, like the Monster Manual and shit. Yeah. They would have these pull quotes that would be from like characters in game or whatever. Yeah, who are yeah, yeah. yeah. They've kept those. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Um, second Ed became a lot more like here's this big ass list of stats that you're going to need to know for this thing, and it was just like this isn't fun anymore. Like this mm-hmm. is becoming like a homework assignment at this point. Yeah, and that was I, I think that was one of the things about Second Edition, or even towards the end of AD and D, is mm-hmm. is because there was that big older wargaming contingent. The people who are all about the stats and being able to do X and Y and what do we need for that and the realistic component, um, they missed out. Uh, they they really started to push that um, towards that audience at that time, mm-hmm. and I think it in some ways detracted from the game unless that was your thing. Sorry, I, it's just that um, the box set came with the uh, with a uh, GM screen, uh-huh. and I had never unwrapped it or opened it. But Uh-oh. I mean, like the art, you yeah. don't get the art on the, the the same art in the digital. I'm looking inside, and it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Like here, just just for the stats on blinded and charmed and things, they've got little illustrations here of uh-huh. like someone. They're like pencil sketches of of a, a dryad charming an adventurer. I love right. Those because they always just add so much like texture yeah. and flavor to it. Yeah, and and you don't necessarily get that with the digital version. You can right. if if you want to play and you want to jump in and have an adventure, all the tools are out there for free. Right. Right. If you want that extra depth, if you want to to like build a character or, or really explore the world, you've got all these resources. And yeah, they cost money, but whatever. So, sure. Yeah. Let me show you something, Kevin. You have multiple okay. bookshelves, right? I, I have so many bookshelves. Yes. How many books I have physically? That's wow, all. Okay. Of them. Right. Wow. Okay. That's all of them. That's because that's... I don't have space in my apartment for physical books. <clears throat> right. The reason I bought this guy in oh, person. Oh my God. The ultimate bread book. Yes. Yes. Do you have this guy? I don't have that one. I have the King Arthur flower book. So they have pictures of the bread and, and, and like the, the steps that you have to take to get the bread. Yeah. Like huge, huge pictures. And like, you see how big this fucking book is. Like I'm standing up. It's cooking and, porn. Yeah. It's oh, oh the, the bread pictures are pornographic. Like, yeah, no, I gotta find you one. I mean, here we go. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hello. Don't you just want to get stuck in? So like 
this one um, is out of print. So if you find a copy on Amazon, snap it up, and they do have used copies on there. Um, it's one of the few books that's worth buying in print because it lays flat on your on your counter while you're working mm. um, because it's so big. It's like this huge, huge book. Um, the explanations are thorough. Like these, the two people who wrote the book. Um, they they have been bread bakers for decades yeah. and they've come up with their own recipes for how to make oh. these breads and their own method to how to make the bread. Mm -hmm. And so they explain everything in detail. The first half of that book is those explanations on like how to build gluten structure, how to make sure you get that nice tight line on the outside. Right. Yeah. Adding like the glaze on the outside so that like if you don't eat eggs, you can use these flowers and these and these other ingredients. Um, if you if you know, like here's what it looks like. And they take pictures. Here's what it looks like with a butter glaze. Here's what it looks like with an egg glaze. Here's what it looks like with like uh, cornstarch. Like, so you know what you're getting into long before you get to the recipes. To be honest, mm -hmm. um, it's sort of like you were explaining about how that SRD kit where it's like yeah. you could pick up just mm -hmm. from the instructions because yeah. they've given you a primer on here's the ratios of uh, yeast to water to flour to salt. Um, and honestly, that's really all you need for bread. Right. Here's the amount of time to give the initial rise. Here's the second rise. Here's the final shaping rise. Here's how you cut it. So if you really wanted, all you would have to do is read the instructions and go and, and just get going. Yeah. But they also have their, their own recipes that they've come up with for these various breads. Um, they have like a stuffed focaccia on there um, where it's like uh, like rosemary and olives and like all kinds of other yummy things. And it's stuffed inside the focaccia while oh, it bakes. Oh, yeah. So, like all the that best. flavor. Yeah. The bread. Um, they, they have like a panzanella salad in there, which is amazing. Um, I've used that recipe a few times and it's come out really well because uh, they're like, you have all this bread. It's going to go stale if you don't use it. So like, here's what you do with the leftover bread. Like they've thought of everything, start, medium, finish. Um, and it's, it's like I said, it's one of the few books I have in print on my shelf and you saw how small my shelf is. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, I have the luxury of living in a very large house. Um, <laughs> When <laughs> my ex-wife and I bought it, yeah, um, you know, it was it was a little big, but then you know, two kids, sure. life happened, um, right. and uh, and now it's paying off because I've got you know two extra people in it who right. otherwise would be kind of stuck, um, right? But that also means that like yeah, our living room is covered in bookshelves. <laughs> I have I have bookshelves all over my office. Um, right. There are books everywhere, and we actually have to do that thing where you go and you figure out what books you don't want anymore, which is yeah. so hard. Um, we had to do the thing. We this been, is the condo time, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. We had been there. Um, we It took us five years of being together. Uh -huh. um, I think just before we got married, maybe just mm -hmm. after, um, when we finally sat down and deduplicated our, our various books, right? That was a hard one. Yeah. Like, do we keep my copy of Monsters Regiment or hers? Well, actually, we kept both because I have a UK early release yeah. to the States that a friend gave me, and she's got the, the actual release, right? Right. Um, I can't remember whose copy of Tail Chaser's song we kept because it was the one that was in better shape that hadn't been read to death. Um, 
but not by much, right? right. Um, deduping was was this thing in terms of space management and organization we had to do. Um, it yes, means, I- yeah. Um, so yeah, there are duplicates of things around, but not very many, mm-hmm. uh, and that's fine. Um, and if she needs to look at a player's handbook, I have the player's handbook, right? It's right here. Right. Yeah. Um, if I need but like the signed copy, you're not going to get rid of it. Even if you have two. Right. Right. And I have a shelf of nothing but signed copies at this point. Right. Um, because I don't know how the fuck this shit keeps happening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you end up at these places with these Hugo award winning authors and they're like, Oh yeah, I'll sign your copy. Sure. Uh, we had the most surreal experience in, in Dublin. What was that? Uh, we were we were there for Worldcon, hmm. and as we're heading into a place for brunch, oh my god, brunch in Ireland! Um, yeah. We hear somebody yells, "Oh, hey, Kevin and Ursula!" <laughs> and we're like, "Oh god, who knows us here?" And it was fucking John Scalzi and his wife Christine. Who's uh, John Scalzi? John Scalzi um, wrote uh, one. There's this uh, incredible sort of Star Trek humor pastiche thing called Red Shirts that you need to read. Okay. Um, he is the person who was the uh, announcer and Toastmaster at the 2012 Worldcon and handed Ursula the Hugo. Um, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, John's great. Um, uh, uh, we've, we see him all the time now. At the time, right. I was like, oh my god, that's John Scalzi. He wrote <laughs> Old Man's War. He's amazing. And now it's just like, dude, how you doing? Right. right. <laughs> um, but it's just one of those moments where you're standing, where I'm standing there and I'm going, how the fuck is this my life? Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, here's, uh, you know, um, the, the pre-Hugo, when we get to go to them, we don't get to go all the time because she's not always nominated, but like the pre Hugo uh, cocktail party where uh, none of the authors can eat and all of their spouses are getting hammered. Um, <laughs> Is it nervousness? It's totally nervousness. Okay. Ursa's like, no, nah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then like an hour before the thing, she's like, what if I don't win? I'm like, I thought you didn't care, but, but, but I'm like, Oh God. Um, <laughs> Sometimes it's worth it to just be sitting in the audience to hear, um, to hear your, to hear her name be called, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The first Lodestar award, uh, she's up for the Lodestar again this year for Minor Mage. Mm. Um, The very first Lodestar award ever, not a Hugo, YA award, still awarded the Hugo ceremony. Um, They had Felicia Day come out to announce all of it, right? So it was worth it just to hear them say, um, right. Uh, I forget what the book. Oh, uh, Summer and Orcus by mm-hmm. T. Kingfisher, published by like right. uh, uh, Sofa Wolf Press. The guys from Sofa Wolf are in the back of the place going, Felicia Day said our name. <laughs> right? I'm right. like, oh my God, Felicia Day just said your name. She's like, who's Felicia Day? I'm like, you're shut kidding up, me, up. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's little things. It's, you know, um, sitting down and having a chance. I got to sit down for like an hour and talk to Charlie Strauss. I love Charlie Strauss. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, again, probably not books you've read, but, uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Uh, he wrote the laundry file series. They're brilliant. Um, they're a lot of fun. They're, um, what if magic was like, there is a ministry of magic, but it's like a modern British ministry. Uh huh. Like with all the bureaucracy of government. Uh-huh. Um, 
<laughs> and and what happens when this poor guy, you know, who fell into magic because magic is just math. Mm-hmm. And if you do the wrong equation, then the things from beyond space and time eat your brain. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Um, so it's, it's geek centric in a lot of ways because like, he's like, Oh God, I got to go talk. Now we got to go recruit this guy because he's accidentally come up with a theorem that, you know, if he puts it into his database is going to destroy the world. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, that's the sort of thing it is. Um, and, uh, and just to be able to sit and, Talk with him over like beers. Yeah. How the fuck is this my life? Right. One day I'll get him on the show. One day. When you do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to put those um, books as well on the. Oh, God. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're going to want to. I think you're going to love red shirts. This sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, Old Man's War, not so much. Okay. Uh, Red shirts, though, I think you'd enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. Red shirts is a lot of fun. Um, he did a remake of I can't I think it was just Fuzzy was the name of the book or something like that called Fuzzy Nation. Um, okay, with the blessing of the original author's estate and all that. And uh, by all accounts, it was really good. I haven't read it. Okay. Um, uh, I love Scalzi's work. So, uh, and I think uh, the last book in his current series is coming out like real soon, and I'm mm-hmm. really excited because I've been waiting for the end of this trilogy. Um, okay. <laughs> And, uh, and Strauss does all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, uh, he wrote a book called Rapture of the Nerds, uh-huh. which was a collaboration with him and Cory Doctorow about – I love Cory Doctorow. Yeah. So, I mean, you already know. It's, it's you know, what happens when all the nerds decide it's time to upload themselves and the rest of us are left down here? <laughs> How's anything going to get done? Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's wicked cool. Um I, I really like it because uh, uh, the two of them mesh really well. Mm-hmm. And I like Corey too. I've met him. Uh, I've met Corey Doctorow a couple of times through different avenues, not just that weird right. thing. Um, Cause he's a friend of a friend. Right. Right. Cause he was a professor at UNC. So he, he actually has similar circles. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, it's just that, you know, he's not at UNC now, but occasionally they'll come to town and a friend will be like, Hey, we're going to dinner with, with, with Corey. You want to come with? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Or why not? <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, no, great stuff. I mean, and but every time that happens, I'm like, how the fuck is this my life? It's... Yeah. <laughs> you have these moments. Um, mine aren't quite on your level. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, when, when I'm on the phone um, with the head of a certain grocery chain, and they're like, send us any pack size you have, any type you have, I don't give a shit, send it over. And I'm like, sure. Um, And you know, that's cash terms, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. We'll wire the cash as soon as we get it. Cool, cool. Um, So you're going to pay for several hundred thousand pounds of rice in cash right now. Cool. Let's (laughs) do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that, that sort of thing scares me. I'm terrified of that. Right. Right. Um, That's where I'm in my element because it's like, you tell me that you're going to need something to the tune of like 40 containers over the next year. I got you. I've got you. Not an issue. Um, Coordinating with overseas, coordinating with, you know, local blah, blah, blah. That's I'm in my element doing that kind of shit. And then 
I, I don't know how familiar you are with um, onboarding for new vendors, but in U.S. companies specifically, especially ones that are run by Americans and not ones that are run by, you know, our fuck-ups. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, they're run by my fuck-ups, not your fuck-ups. Right. Right? Yeah. They're, they have a list of documents that they require for any, any, right. any vendor that you have to have filled out. Oh, um, God, yeah. And those documents are, are – wide and ranging and they have to come from each specific uh producer right um and some of them even need like documentation of all the ingredients in a formulation yeah so like that's a lot of documentation for one person to handle i am very good at it i am very very good at it yeah that that sort of thing terrifies me and uh Mm -hmm. it, it i will sit down i mean i have to i have had to do the documentation required by the government to approve that we buy um my last job, we had a university and the state had put down this, they were state school and the state had put down, here's the information security document you have to fill out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And it's not even like, at least it was digital and it wasn't on paper. Right. It's like log onto the website and start filling things out. And, you know, and it kills me. But that's how all the government agencies are now. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. No, but I mean, just, just digitally, it's fine. Yeah, but it wasn't that. It was more like, here are questions that will never apply because they're based <laughs> around a, a computing system that's been outdated for 20 years. Right. But this is their new cybersecurity initiative, and they right. have to know if this – and I'm just like and, – and my brain freezes up. You would probably right. look at it and go, okay, here we go. Knock it out. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. I can do bureaucracy in my sleep. That's not a problem. Yeah, and uh, uh, and I get I just get angry. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's frustrating because like sometimes it's worded in such a way that you think you need to provide more documentation than you actually do, and then you go back and read it and reread it and reread it a fiftieth time, and you're like, oh. They only need this documentation if this particular set of criteria applies, and it doesn't in this one case. Oh, I can ignore that part. I already learned doing uh, like building environments that would be used by federal agencies because that's you know one of the things I've done. Um, yep. You know, here we're setting up. We want to sell this product to the federal government. We have to meet these requirements, right? That I already know the answer is: don't give them more details than you ever have to. Oh. Right? That was a talk my boss gave me from day one. He was like, <laughs> exactly what's on the form. Don't give them a word more than you absolutely need to. If they didn't ask for it, you don't surrender it. Yep. If I'm if I'm in an audit, I sit and in our case, audit means you know sitting there with the people who are reviewing the things. They ask a question, you answer. Period. Exclamation point. And that's it. And that's it, right? And if if we're doing one, I sit there and I don't even answer the question until our infosec guy looks at me because he doesn't know the answer, right? Got it. Or they need me to log on to show them the proof, right? I'm and, like, and otherwise, I just sit there and keep my mouth shut and, you know, because <laughs> if I give them the complete answer, then they're going to nitpick it to death and then Correct. people yell at me. So. <laughs> There's there's a productivity tip right there. Don't give them more than they ask for. Never, never. Yeah, when dealing with government agencies, never give them more than they ask for. When you're dealing with any auditing agency, give them the exact right. thing that they ask for, and that's it. Absolutely, I hair more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been at this for almost four hours. Jesus, has it? Yeah. Oh, I mean, there there's a break in there that we can cut out, yeah. but you know, sorry, folks. Uh, Two episodes, four episodes, I don't know. 
something. You'll break it up. However I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. 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 I, I may use that break point when, when I went to feed the dogs, it's like the perfect spot. Cause I think that's right around two hours yeah. either side. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Um, we'll have to figure out when to do this again. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, uh, um, uh, outside the bounds of the show, man, you need anything. You just give me a call. Of course. See of what course. we can do, you know, um, yeah. Uh, maybe one day you can get down here and we can introduce you to, um, I believe it's Carolina gold rice. I've had it. Oh, have you? Okay. Lovely stuff. Yeah. I got some in the freezer. So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and when Ursula was saying like, we don't need to put ham in all our beans. I was like, yes, Ursula, that is correct. (laughs) Just a bit of cumin seed and that's it. And it's good. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm fully in agreement with Ursula. (laughs) Uh, for Yo, those, we're attacking her. Yeah. For those who may not have listened, that was in a recent episode of Kevin and Ursula Eat Cheap. So, yeah. yeah. Um, dude, thank you so much. Of course. This was and, wonderful. And we will definitely have to catch and, up again. And we'll definitely do it again. And, and where can people, if they have questions or they need that emergency recipe help, where can they write? Um, again? Email me. Um, a, a like Apple, L like Lima, T like uh, Thomas, uh, V like Vixen, E like Elephant, G like Gary at me.com. Yep. Right on. So, right on. Indeed. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and, right, right on and on and on. And yeah. give, me, give me your questions. Um, I generally post fairly detailed answers. I think I've shared a couple with you, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been uploading, up, updating your blog recently. A little bit. Little bit. Um, I'm going to start putting more pictures on there because um, mm-hmm. there's been some weird stuff that I've been making that's coming out way better than it has any right to be. <laughs> <laughs> For the amount of effort that I put into it, it's like, you had no right to be this good, but right. damn it if it didn't work out. So yes, I will um, update my blog. It's um, altveg.blogspot.com. Um, I'm going to link all this in. So yeah. Yeah. It, you'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely hit me up if you have mm-hmm. recipe requests, if you're just depressed and you need someone to listen to your whatever's going on. Like, I understand this is the time where we all kind of need to pull together as far away from each other as possible. Uh, yeah, yeah. All together, at least uh, six feet apart from each other. <laughs> <laughs> and wash your fucking hands. <laughs> and wash your fucking hands. Um, as a matter of fact, why don't you go wash your hands while uh, I play this? Yes. As always, it was an amazing time talking to Dino, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And, you know, it always goes long, so we just sort of plan around that. So here we are at part two, part two of two. Uh, As a reminder, one badge for this set of episodes, and we will uh, pick up with all new badges and all new stuff starting next week. Isn't that exciting? Our next letters show will be in October uh, because it's been such a short time since our last letters show. 
And there's that. Uh, reminder, write in to help out uh, your strategies for getting organized when you have uh, three children of various age who are distance learning for the first time ever. Really excited to hear about that. Uh, the other thing is uh, the badge code, summer break. Find out more about badges at productivityalchemy.com. The only other thing is if you want to support us, um, that's great. Share it, like it, tell your friends, uh, tie your friends down and make them listen. No, wait, don't actually do that. Don't actually do that. Uh, but don't send us money, right? We, we have all the links to support us on productivityalchemy.com, and that's great if you want to. But we would really rather you give that money to people who need it a hell of a lot more than we do. And so your local food bank and or your local, you know, uh, soup kitchens or someone who is providing food for those that don't have it, because that's something that's really important to me. It's something that's really important to Ursula, and especially it's something very important to Dino. And so that's where I want your money going instead of to us uh, this week. So there's that. Uh, thanks a lot for listening to this two-parter. We will be back next week with, uh, as I said, Selfie from Australia who raises chickens. It was an amazing conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to her. And so, you know, we'll be back with that in a week. In the meantime, do yourself a favor, take some time off, uh, even if it's just a day or two, because it makes a really big difference in both your attitude, your mental health, and your productivity. So do your best. Um, take some time off if you can. And with everything going on, it's not a problem if you can't stay productive. <laughs>